How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of Har Gal with Haryal. Uh, it is where I, me, Haryal, would welcome these amazing, amazing guests to, to come and have these conversations with us to go with the uh, the inherent flow of the podcast, which is to learn through conversations. I have a very special guest with me today, uh, my wonderful friend and incidentally, the co-founder of the first startup I ever had. Uh, please, please welcome Pradyut Khande, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Mihir. So glad to uh, connect with you after all these years and, uh, you know, really be a part of this fantastic initiative that you have kickstarted. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rajiv. I really hope that, you know, the, the main message comes out. And, uh, you know, when I was actually thinking about learning with conversations, I realized that uh, one skill that, that you know, most of us really need to understand and are not really taught very well in schools and otherwise uh, is really the skill to market ourselves because no matter what domain you are in uh, right. you do you don't need to learn what what the basics of marketing are like and and how that could really influence the way that you project yourself to the outside world right and uh, when I was thinking of that I just I just realized that that you are one individual who has been uh, professionally, semi-professionally slash professionally because you did this before you were 18. So you've practically been marketing since before you could actually vote. But yeah, it's a very interesting take on things. Well, I mean, how did that all start for you? Because uh, as I recall, your parents wanted you to be a doctor and you actually wrote yeah. the exams and all of that. Like, so how did marketing start for you professionally? Uh you know, as I said, really interesting. Um, and what I'd like to point out here is that it's not just me, but it's each one of us that actually start some form of marketing throughout our formative years. We don't quite know what it is, but we're doing it at the back end. And at the foundation of marketing is storytelling, right? And as human beings, we tell ourselves stories, we tell others around us stories. And before we know it, we have developed a core consciousness of marketing even before we become marketers. So a lot of that has held true for me as well. Um, you know, simple examples like, you know, when you're running for your prefectorial candidature in school, the kind of offline campaigns that you would be running through banner ads and, uh, you know, creating those uh, placards. So that's your offline marketing. And then think of the time when MySpace, MSN Messenger, Orchid, the entire world of social media was just sort of like opening up for us. So you're testing your content, your copywriting skills. You're trying to understand your target audience, who's going to vote for you, et cetera. You're trying to see what's going to make them tick, what sort of positioning and messaging is going to work with that particular target audience. So little things like that. Um, you know, when you go about fundraising, so I did it when I was uh, working with the Spastic Society of India, the Bombay Ornithological Society. These are non-profit organizations, but uh, these were minor projects that I took up while I was in school. And as you rightly mentioned before, I was of uh, 
aids to vote um, so fundraising activities where you're using your creativity to sort of get uh, if i could put it crudely rich people to part with a lot of their money so uh, that's another instance um, uh, another example that comes readily to mind is you know as you mentioned my parents wanted me to become doctors but uh, it was just something that didn't sit right with me i didn't think it was a life that i could commit to wholeheartedly uh, for pretty much the rest of my living days uh so i had to be a marketer there i had to sell them a rejig dream i had to tell them that i wanted to be a businessman or someone in the corporate world so that's marketing a future persona of myself right at the end of the day um and in my first year of college uh, one of the ideas that i uh, sort of dabbled with was uh, something called focus copy where we were trying to sell advertisement space on those xerox notes outside the colleges so um you know little things like that we don't realize it but we've been doing it for a really long time uh so that's just a bit of a back story for me um dodging the uh, doctoral bullet getting into the world of uh, business and uh, administration with my bba at nmims and of course following that up with a short stint in public relations and then of course i did my mba at siu with you and then of course onwards and upwards where i've truly become a marketer so right. the bottom line here being that we've been marketing even before we've known it yeah which is which is actually very interesting you know because it just it just boils down to the fact that sometimes we end up being a marketer without realizing we're a marketer when say we are running college fairs or sometimes Absolutely. even even getting people to go to a particular class you know which you really want to go and then you kind of in a way you you're actually campaigning for your friends to visit that class because you want to have a certain level of attendance and uh and think whatever it all me think about all those weekend plans that you made yeah with those four five a gang of four five friends of yours convincing them to go up to a particular place at a particular time on a particular day at the right. end of the day what are you trying to you're trying to shape behavior influence behavior of a collective group through a message exactly that you truly believe in exactly exactly and and see that actually leads up to my next question because uh, so you inadvertently started off with these uh, small small scale startups some of which went down uh, to become pretty big but we'll talk about that in the later segment but sure. the the takeaway here is that so you were you were dabbling dabbling with startups you were professionally involved with uh, small scale organizations and then you ended up working with infosys with with icici with so many more uh, right so having uh, having the experience of working in a startup and corporate i really wanted to understand that in the last few years you know since the startup uh, world has really taken india by storm i i see right. the sense that many people want to leave their corporate marketing jobs or like want to leave their corporate coding or development jobs or whatever and really enter startups uh, to try and want to market this market their startups and you know go into that segment they think that right. corporate marketing is probably not giving them the level of satisfaction they want or whatever the reasons may be but right. for someone who's probably on the fence on this decision uh, yeah. what would what would you tell them how different is it to market a corporate versus marketing a startup so i've been on uh, both sides of the table actually so i've uh, obviously had a couple of startups of my own i've uh, worked in marketing uh, as a saas marketer at a startup like clevertab which is well on its way to becoming a unicorn today 
I work in the enterprise tech space with brands like Infosys, ICICI, and now Netcore. Uh, the point here is that let me start by stating the advantages of working in marketing function at at a startup. Uh, there's definitely more exposure, uh, and you have to understand truly that your job designation, which is an associate marketing manager or a marketing manager, it does not encompass all your KRAs because at the end of the day, uh, a startup runs a really tight ship. It's a lean team, so the kind of um, you know, KRAs, your key responsibility areas that come in are plentiful. Uh, you aren't just restricted to writing copy, running ads, doing email marketing, coming up with the next uh, offline branding campaign. There is so much more to do, so much more to learn, so much more to scale. So, which is why the learning curve is very steep uh, and it is very expedited because most startups embrace the entire concept of fail fast and scale faster. So from a learning standpoint, that is really, really important. Uh, also, because there is so much more on your plate, there is more accountability that comes to the table. So which means that there are a whole set of challenges that come with that. Um, it forces you to grow up faster in life, both personally and professionally, because you have to figure it out for yourself and you have to do it fast because you may not have the guidance, you may not have the mentorship you may not have the time to make those quick decisions so you have to figure out a lot of things by yourself so you are compelled to ask both yourself and those around you more critical questions so it helps you think through things a lot faster and with a lot more clarity um, and obviously there is a high risk to reward ratio involved here because you have taken the gamble to go to a startup. You don't know whether it's going to stay afloat 12 months down the line, but you have to believe in the cause. But Pradeep, here, here's yeah. something, right? Uh, sure. The fact that a startup exposes you to a lot of things because uh, in, in many cases, the, you know, uh, as a, from a bird eye point of view, if I were to look at it, sure. the kind of sure. work that a, that a corporate marketing director does is very similar right. to the work that an assistant manager would do at a startup. Because their designations don't matter, right? It's all about that. So like it, it so happened, right? In one of the joke there is you are like the OMG, the only marketing guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, so uh, there was this one conversation I had with one of my clients, okay. And I asked him, he uh, so if you want to scale up your business from zero to hundred, uh, sure. how much marketing budget you're willing to have? And they're like, look, we hired you. You are a marketing consultant. Our marketing budget is your salary, and uh, and you know when when you when you back in, when you uh, you you have your back against the wall, you really have to yeah. uh, start thinking and get to something. But all of that really ends up yeah. glamorizing the startup marketing industry. But what about corporate marketing? Is it all that bad? I mean, uh, yeah. So I was coming. I was coming to that. That was my last point when it came to the advantages, the high risk to reward ratio. Okay. When it comes to enterprise or corporate level marketing, obviously there is so much more structure involved. Uh, there is a lot more security. Uh, you can count on, um, you know, picking the brains of and getting a mentorship and guidance from folks who have already proven themselves in the industry over a period of time. Right. Um, the budgets that you're playing with will obviously be far more. You may not be a sole custodian of the budget, but you know exactly what budget your 
marketing team may have signed up for on a yearly half yearly and a quarterly basis so the playing ground in terms of how to spend money is vast but right. what you end up doing that entire kitty or basket of money could be limited you know because those strategies have already been put into place by someone two levels above you i'm talking about someone who is an entry level marketer or someone right. who's a deputy manager assistant manager right you are not in a position to call the shots which is a good place to be at because you need to learn you know as you go step by step as well so it is a very structured um setup uh, the risks are obviously a lot lesser because it's such a large organization and they can afford to make those mistakes uh, right. but i just feel that if you are looking to scale fast and i think a lot of us millennials today are looking to do that and truly invest in a company in a mission that we believe in then a startup could be something that you might want to look at but always bear in mind that with great risk um also comes a lot of uh, you know there are a lot of challenges that come with that so it is never going to be smooth sailing right. similarly in the enterprise space also right there may be occasions where things are not moving fast enough uh you're sitting on approvals for a month month and a half uh, your agencies haven't been paid you can i see you smile because so i can right. see that you relate to those challenges as well so it's never smooth sailing on in either sea or ocean uh you have to figure out what is the best fit for you and also what your personality is aligned to right. also what life cycle stage you're at are you fresh out of mba are you uh, you know have you just gotten recently married have you started a family so various factors are going to dictate which boat you put your foot into so uh, so let's let's just uh, look at it look at your marketing experience as as one big segment okay sure. and uh, and if you look at all the marketing campaigns that you've ever been involved with let's talk about that because uh, one thing which is which is really common right. between no matter who you marketing for is uh, the campaign that you run for them to achieve their end goals uh what is that one marketing campaign which you think probably spectacularly blew up in your face you were embarrassed of you didn't really like right. then but but now that you have spent so many years in the business you really like it and it's a key learning for you uh okay so a little bit of background here i work for a company that actually uh basically build software that helps a lot of consumer tech brands in the e-commerce food tech uh, travel tech space to essentially do customer engagement and retention so across okay. channels okay uh, that's essentially a software that can help these businesses understand each individual customer like you and me sitting in different parts of india different parts of the world and figure out how to engage with them better across digital channels simply put now in such a scenario because there is a data angle to it because there is a tech angle to it and now there is an ai angle to all of this right so right. a campaign that uh, we recently did uh, about 4 uh, and a half 5 months ago was the launch of our ai engine because at the heart of any saas company that sells solutions like customer engagement and retention ai is now more than just a buzzword it becomes right. foundation to their success uh so you know i as you know i'm a big believer and admirer of puns and quirky copy so i made it um, you know i focused too much on the quirky aspect i didn't want to 
you know sort of shed too much light on the tech aspect of things so what i did was i ended up alienating the target audience my target audience are cmos and ctos who are not looking for fluff and quirk but they're looking for actual guilt edged technology that's going to help them solve those problems at scale so right. in a lot of ways you know saying something like hello from the ai side or uh, ii captain which is ai ai captain right. uh, it sounds good on paper and it gives you a momentary high mm-hmm. but when you see that those emails are not getting opened or those ads are not getting clicked upon you realize that you have actually not hit bullseye at all with a campaign like that so to be honest i took my eye off the basics in this case uh, or your needed my target your, audience or you mean your ai of the basics so sure, so sure, let's I, go with that i i, I got yeah. right i can see your mind churning those puns now uh, and i got my positioning wrong because at the end of the day um, you know the way you position a tech a component of a larger complex product is very key to you actually opening uh, doorways when it comes to um, you know sort of uh, getting new customers on board so that's a campaign that i'm not entirely thrilled about and obviously i've learned and grown since post that so so uh, let's make this a teachable moment right uh, sure it's incidentally for uh, for softwares that are selling to enterprise for uh, multi million dollar solutions uh, if you look around there are actually a lot of them right. both in the startup and corporate space right and uh, i think every day we face the exact same question how exactly do we uh, do we put our message across so uh, would you like to right. say present some sort of a structure to them these are say five things you could follow or this is a a good checklist to maintain when something like this is happening to you uh when you're looking to position a product or take a product to market go to market strategy honestly uh, i mean you really need to keep it simple everything boils down to understanding something that we call the icp your ideal customer persona right. uh understanding not just their job designations and roles and which companies that they work at but understanding how they go about the entire decision making process because unlike you know the b2c segment where fmcg consumer durables uh, food tech ad tech everything is purchased on impulse on intent the sales cycle when you are purchasing something like a b2b saas product is so much more it can take anywhere between 3 months to 1 year so understanding what motivates them to take those decisions this way or that is really critical to positioning a product in a particular market also realizing what their pain points are very often what happens is when you have built a product like a software you are basing the uh, product on some assumptions that these are probably two three challenges because uh, we've had a few conversations with existing customers and that's what they've said right. it's easy to generalize what is critical is that a software is supposed to solve a very niche problem because if that was not the case then it would not give a lot of these startups an opportunity to get into these niches and solve those key problems right uh, so understanding that generalizing pain points is a strict no no you really have to dig deep and understand even if it is a generalized pain point what is it actually when someone says i am having a customer engagement issue is it because their email rates 
uh, email open rates and click through rates are low is it because their push notifications if it's a mobile app i'm talking about i'm giving you these examples in the sure. context of customer sure. engagement yeah uh, is it because they're a mobile first app and their push notifications are not even re reaching the target audience little things like that so go always keep going levels deeper to understand the key challenge because very often in the tech space jargon and uh, you know really uh, complicated language can complicate the actual problem so right. ask those questions repeatedly uh, third is uh, i would say that uh, always prepare both and, and uh, in the software or b2b saas space uh, pretty much everything happens digitally right discovery of the product awareness nurturing and then getting them to eventually purchase the product because it is intangible in nature to begin with right so you need to have a healthy balance of both a paid and organic marketing strategy and um, there are various levels to that depending upon which geographies you are entering etc but i would say these three things if you get right it will really simplify your strategy and help you plan through the tactic better so to summarize the three things would be uh number 1 to understand the ideal customer persona number 2 to understand their pain points and then using this reach out to them through both organic and inorganic means right yeah i simplified it as much as i could but you know as well as i do there are so many more complex layers to that ha but uh, see i mean the uh, the underlying idea behind the entire podcast is that uh, somebody who's listening to this could really build from your experience as well on it and uh, and incidentally that is what most of marketing is about right learning from somebody else's experience sure uh, which takes me to my next question about wanting to learn marketing really right, right? so uh, we see a lot of people around us who are in the marketing space probably who do not have a marketing degree as well and they're doing phenomenally well for uh for somebody who doesn't have a degree so uh right. now for someone who's wanting to learn marketing better uh what would you say is the right uh, key difference between going for a full time mba or masters in marketing program versus learning it over youtube or coursera for that matter all right very interesting question so uh let's break it down now uh why do people actually do an mba uh for two reasons and the second reason leading to the first the second the i mean now level 2 reason is obviously to um get a thappa uh, essentially speaking learning leading to thappa leading to job if i could simplify it like that right um but that's that that's never guaranteed and it's even less guaranteed in today's market uh because of the fact that there are moocs available there are edtech platforms that are curating and getting courses out specifically within marketing so it's not just a marketing management course alone you have digital marketing you have ai and marketing you have various levels of and sub functions of marketing that have dedicated courses there are content there is free content available on platforms like uh, youtube as well Right. now that sort of content will help you develop a foundation in your niche right you know if you've decided that i want to be a digital marketer in e-commerce you can there are folks sitting out there freelancers current freelancers or consultants who have spent 8 to 10 years in the e-commerce industry they know their stuff they are creating curated content only for digital marketing in e-commerce or scaling an edtech platform 
Right. So there are niches and micro niches that are developing, but it's important for someone who is looking to, you know, get into this field to have clarity about what they want to do. If they are still not convinced, then obviously you might take the safer route and the more expensive route and actually end up investing in an MBA. An MBA is something that's going to give you a foundation of learning, but always remember that that learning may not be 100% relevant and timely and contextual. Think about right. it this way, Meer. When we did our MBA, the economy was just coming back on track post the entire recession of 2012. Right. Right? We felt the after effects of it well into 2013 and 14. Right. Um, and what we were taught during our MBA did not quite reflect the actual on-ground socioeconomic and macroeconomic reality of the world. Right. So, but what happens with these, um, you know, real-time edtech platforms or these MOOCs or even these other resources that a lot of industry practitioners and freelancers are curating is that they are responsive to what's working and what's not working in the industry currently. So it's a, you know, trade-off that needs to be made depending upon where you are in life, what your objective is and how much clarity you have, you know, right. sometimes it's important to know what you don't want to do. Sometimes it's important to know what you want to do. Uh, so, I mean, honestly speaking, um, that's my take on that. Okay. But if I could just add an addendum there, uh, there is no, no replacement for on-ground, on-the-job exposure. You know, okay. you can get your knowledge from uh, whichever source, but your harshest teacher is life itself because exposure leads to experience, leads to to expertise so honestly speaking that's what it comes down to but your level one question is uh, what i answered previously sure so uh, let, let's try to put this into a perspective okay uh, now with with all this experience that you've had post your mba and post a bachelor's degree in marketing and all the on-job sure. experience if you actually went back to college today say pradyu mm -hmm. Hande of 2021 met Pradyut Hande from say 2013 when he was starting off with your MBA or even contemplating the idea, right? Right. Um, right. No, knowing that you couldn't have changed the past, what would be the key yeah. tips or key takeaways that you would want to give to somebody who's starting off with an MBA program? Okay. Uh, on a lighter note, probably A, grow a beard if your college allows you to. Oh, right. Unfortunately, our college didn't. So that's a that's a jab <laughs> that's a jab at our college. Yeah, yeah. But still, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm choosing my platforms. Anyhow, um, I think uh, like maybe four or five points that come readily to mind is, um, you know, when you are doing your BBA or your MBA, you are trying so desperately to expose yourself to different activities in a very short span of time. So you're doing B-School competitions, you're doing quizzing, you're doing debating, you are looking at B-Plan contests, uh, you are looking at, you know, starting up on your own, uh, multiple things. So what happens is that you spread yourself too thin. So one thing that I would tell myself is that maybe choose, you know, expose yourself to a lot of different things, but, you know, start prioritizing and reducing that uh, list and maybe reduce that to maybe two or three top things that you want to do or learn or take out of those couple of years. Uh, so definitely learn the basics of something that I have gotten exposed to over the years called deep work. 
Uh, okay. I recommend everyone who's listening to this uh, episode to check out Deep Work by Cal Newport. It basically talks about how immersing yourself in your daily work, whether it's professional, personal, side gigs, hustles, whatever that you're doing, mm-hmm. you have to truly immerse yourself in that to develop focus and uh, achieve something that we called uh, eudaimonia. Eudaimonia is basically the highest potential at which you can perform as a human being. Which means that if you want to excel in life, put in the work, go deep and restrict the number of distractions that you have. So the importance of deep work is what I'm trying to get at, point number one. Uh, Number two would be actually uh, not just relying on my personal opinions. If you Mm -hmm. remember, right, there was, you know, very often um, I look back and think that I probably felt a little too self-righteous. And I did not have enough data points to take a lot of decisions in life, but I had too much faith and belief in my own opinion and viewpoint, okay. which meant that sometimes I didn't make the wisest decisions. I did not take other people's opinions and inputs into account. Uh, so there is this framework that I now live by uh, called strong opinions weekly held. So it's okay to have strong opinions, but also hear other people out, listen to what they have to say, because okay. no one will have nothing to contribute. So this is, again, something that, uh, you know, really helps as a marketer, as a leader moving forward. Realize that the world is never as black and white as you think it is. You okay. need to take more inputs, information, uh, insights into consideration before you make a decision. So, so never believe you're the smartest guy. In the but, 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 then, but then, so, uh, <clears throat> if yeah. the idea to... Uh, I mean, say, mm-hmm. if, if you're starting off with a B-school or a professional degree, you know, uh, even if it's outside of marketing, sure. you're doing a professional degree sure. and if the the logic of deep sure. work is to really reduce all the distractions around you yeah. and, and focus on deep working only, uh, how do you do that when you're listening to everybody else's opinion? I mean, like, how do you reach that level where you're able to filter, but yet take in as much input as possible? That's an interesting follow-up question. So when I talk about striking a balance between these two aspects, it's almost as though uh, in the quest to do deep work, Mm -hmm. do not alienate other people's opinions or inputs. Because at the end of the day, while your graduate or postgraduate degree is a singular endeavor, you will not be able to excel without a solid team in place. And I'm talking, when I say team, I'm talking about your peers, the folks whom you're interested acting with your group presentations etc right you can not say that okay this is a you know b plan competition that we are taking part in these are my thoughts i think this is the right way forward i think this is what's going to you know help us win that competition right it's one way to think that it's another way to say that how huh, what you're saying is great but i think this is right so uh-huh. it's a it's a fine balance but i think it's achievable uh, it may not be achievable that soon in life what I'm trying to get at is if I had a little more self-awareness, I would have started putting those things into plan way before and not learned harsh lessons later on in life. Uh, so those are a couple of things that I will, I would have liked to change. And also the third thing would be invest more in people and networks because yes. we don't realize it, but we are when we are studying, even like towards the end of our schooling life, 10th, 11th, 12th, college, post-graduation, we are already in a rat race. And the rat race is already consuming us before we step into the real world. Right. So honestly, back then, if you 
really surround yourself with people whom you vibe with people who uh, are investing in you be a giver not only a taker it is this concept by adam grant giver versus taker where yeah. essentially you have to not be charitable when you're giving but also learn to identify the people whom you want to invest in and build long term equations with right so these are probably things that i'm saying in hindsight um and it's also a function of how we are at that age and at what life stage right uh, but you know that's what they say the gift of hindsight is always 2020 और ये तो काफी बड़ा वाला मार दिया नहीं तो नहीं नहीं यार ये तो जेनुइन सेइंग है अरे जेनुइन बट स्टिल यू नो लाइक दिस दिस व्हाई दैट इट्स अ या इट्स इट्स अ बिग वन इट्स अ बिग वन सो यू नो लेट लेट मी ओके लेट लेट मी शिफ्ट फोकस टू लाइक द रियली हार्ड हिटिंग क्वेश्चंस मैन एंड एंड दिस इज टू डू विद द एक्चुअल फिलॉसफी इन एग्जिस्टेंस ऑफ मार्केटिंग मार्केटर्स फ्रॉम व्हाट आई हियर Are uh, are supposed to be. What do you mean from what you hear? Here you're a marketer yourself. I know, I know, and and I still hear because I like know. I like how you have taken yourself out of the equation right now, and you're looking at it like Buddha from the top. But okay, go ahead. Yeah, but then I mean, you you can't self-analyze unless you're looking at yourself from a distance, right? So so I tried to do that, okay, and uh, and many people call us the. Go ahead. <laughs> Many people call us the uh, call us marketers, you know, as the as the charioteers of capitalism, you know, as, as people who who are really the the scheming minds behind this capitalistic brutality that uh, that does exist to some extent in the world. I mean, that's a different discussion altogether about capitalism versus socialism and and how brutal corporates can be. But uh, but it, it's often said that marketers are Oh, are, are the driving force behind this this brutality, right? Because they are the ones who are looking at the profit uh, building from uh, from their investments. In fact, uh, there was this one 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 conversation I heard this this one author. I would like to quote here, but he wrote a book on 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 startups and stock market and all. And he told of this one story. He said that uh, when when Bata the the footwear company. wanted to uh, establish themselves in hmm. in a in a country in africa uh, which was not very well to do they sent two hmm. marketers over there right and the first marketer hmm. when he surveyed canada uh, surveyed that that country right. and he came back to canada uh, he told his bosses that uh, boss right. i don't think this country is the right market for us they barely have the uh, the okay. right money to eat and most of them walk around bare feet so uh let's not let, let's not you know let, let's not get into that that zone maybe we look at other markets our products are not suited to okay. them right and then this guy was this guy was fired on the spot so comes guy number 2 uh, who okay. again surveys the same land and then comes back and he says boss i've got an interesting opportunity for you mm. i went to this country where nobody is wearing shoes mm. and we sell shoes it's such an amazing opportunity for us right. to enter all we need to do is just right. create some low cost shoes right now uh now this guy obviously he was exaggerating at a lot of different right. points but then the point he was trying to make is that marketers uh, look at the weakest link in the society and they want to export and quote exploit it as much as possible right uh, to make money uh correct but, but then correct would you always say that uh, a marketer is a capitalist and then is there any way they could coexist with socialistic ideas as well 
that's an interesting question followed by a story followed by a question so i'm going to answer it more simply okay. um so you know kotler says that the purpose of market kotler, is to kotler here being shareholder value and profit kotler here being philip kotler like the one who wrote the philip kotler the bible on on marketing that guy yes yes okay the bible of marketing yes that guy <laughs> okay so all right so basic basically what a marketer is trying to do is they have to approach the game through a capitalistic mindset to begin with whether they like it or not okay. you know so cap a uh, marketer is supposed to fuel consumerism consumerism basically creates demand and demand is what essentially creates a capitalistic cycle at the end of the day so if i had to break it down a marketer is creating interest in products and services and is creating intent in the mind of customers to part with their money to buy that particular product or service so at the end of the day what are they doing they are reshaping the entire law of demand uh, and that's what fuels capitalism at the end of the day consumerism which fuels capitalism now you know if you look at it through the prism of socialism socialism is driven by the philosophy of collective welfare capitalism on the other hand is uh, you know sort of fueled by the uh, on the philosophy of monetary currency and profit as such so they are very much at odds and for a marketer to operate in a socialistic mindset where everyone is equal they want to offer the same products to all the customers it actually kills um you know core marketing as such because it's defeating there's the customers are also losing in a socialistic setup because they don't have too many products to choose from uh, so there is lack of competition so everyone seems to be losing in a socialistic setup anyway so uh, i just feel that it's okay for marketers to have a socialistic bent of mind to have an altruistic bent of mind um, and this probably aligns with you know the not not for profit organizations a lot of the ngos where you genuinely want to do good you know but at the end of the day a marketer without a capitalistic mindset without the mindset to create revenue and value will not really cut it in today's environment so today's ecosystem also does not lend itself well to a marketer who has strong socialistic beliefs it's okay to hold them personally but to implement them on a professional level and actually get people to recognize you for that i think is extremely challenging in today's times and i say this from personal experience right so uh, you you mentioned about this 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 term called the law of demand that a marketer yeah. needs to adhere to so what exactly is this law of demand rajit so law of demand basically is uh, you know essentially you are creating demand for products and services where the lower the price the higher the demand right. technically speaking logically speaking for a particular product or service uh, but over a period of time because there is you know you are trying to understand the psychography the consumer behavior of your target audience customers start reacting irrationally to that as well right so law basic right. law of demand i just explained where lower the price higher the demand very often what happens is there are categories 
uh, of products and services where even at a high price point they continue to sell like hotcakes right. the apple iphone is a classic example of that right, right. so uh, fundamentally speaking theory has some space in our lives as marketers but we also have to account for how irrational a consumer can be Right. So another book that I would recommend for our listeners to check out is Predictably Irrational by Dan Ariely. So do check that out. It's going to give you a brand new uh, outlook on how um, you know theory coupled with the rationality coupled with emotions actually shapes consumer behavior. And as a marketer, it's very important to understand. Right. Okay. So um, I mean, having having understood that, uh, how yeah. exactly? You know, now that we, we're slowly moving towards a time where uh, our generation and the ones that are following us very soon, uh, they kind of they're very taken by the idea of sustainable uh, business development, uh, about really caring for the ecosystem, really caring for the environment, and uh, you know, like actually caring for the uh, for the weakest man in the room, you know, at all times. Uh, how is it that right. a that a marketer could really uh, could you know, help with this philosophy of, of sustainable uh, marketing, of, of building a business that still really cares for the welfare of the society at large? Again, as I said, uh, it's, it's hard to do in today's environment, uh, but many brands are now waking up to the reality that uh, positioning themselves, developing brand values that are aligned to a either uh, being eco-friendly b either uh, you know working collectively for the uh, society at large it's all fitting into the paradigm of cause-based marketing which is really relevant especially at this time given what's happening with the pandemic how the global economy is being affected so it becomes a selling point temporarily but if you want to you know build a stronger narrative or story around that it has to be a concerted effort by the brand at large a marketer sitting in a brand will be able to do only what the brand or the company is telling him to do right, right? and for that to happen there needs to be a genuine shift in the attitude of the company at large so right. if today pepsi is a, a you know water positive company it's right. not because their focus was to become eco friendly it was because there were multiple scandals that broke out in the mid 2000s talking right. about you know various things and it forced them into a corner where they said that if we have to change the perception of our brand and reposition ourselves as an eco friendly or environment friendly company these are things that we need to do Right. right. So there are a lot of brands that have reacted in a way post a scandal or, a, you know, bit of a challenge along the way, uh, compromising their growth to do this. But there are brands that truly believe in this, you know, a company like Tesla is not in the business of just making the next, uh, you know, uh, uh, next best, uh, you know, uh, eco-friendly vehicle. They're in the business of building the safest and fastest um, automobile that is, so they're not even positioning themselves as an eco-friendly company building eco-friendly products. Mm -hmm. That's the story. You know, they are trying to build the best possible car for humans. Right. Along the way, it just happens to be the case that their cars run electricity. Right. So there's a fine line between that. Uh, and, you know, coming back to the fundamental question, it's a balancing act. 
only if a brand truly believes in it and believes that they can go about it in a sustainable manner not just because it is the right time to do it but because it requires a shift in their attitude and uh, strategic vision only then does it truly work and you know as well as i do that customers like you and i we can see through these you know smoke screens right. when a brand does it just for the sake of doing it and when a brand genuinely means to do it and has been doing it consistently over the years right so the even customers are far smarter and more discerning so uh, yeah it works both ways that makes sense that makes sense so, so essentially it's just that uh when you're working for a marketing campaign it's 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 good to follow the law of demand and law of consumerism but then when you're thinking as a brand and more as a strategic vision uh to build sustainability it always helps to have a, a welfare outlook because otherwise uh, people won't be as perceiving of you as as, uh, as accepting of you as uh, probably another brand on the block so it really helps when you're watching out for the little guy speaking of watching out for the little guy uh, prajit uh, here's a question yeah. that i that i keep on getting asked a lot from from these uh, people who are just entering a b school and all right especially the ones with a non tech background uh they they talk right. about uh, things like ai and machine learning and uh, and technology of different sorts just just coming up and uh, redefining marketing altogether but then uh, does it mean right. that probably everybody in the marketing space needs to know ai i mean how exactly does uh, does the future of ai according to you uh, affect the lives of a marketer say 10 years or 20 years down the line i'm going to give you a shorter time span actually and this is again a question that i get asked a lot especially because i work in this particular domain right uh, right uh, now simply put artificial intelligence it's it's two words combined together that sounds really overwhelming and scary to begin with believe mm-hmm. me i was at the same uh, the same mindset but what is ai at the end of the day right it is a framework it's an intuitive algorithm that has been made by man made it's a man made code it's a man made collection of codes that becomes an algorithm that algorithm then starts learning from data that it ingests and in this case for a marketer it's learning from customer data right. you know um what their behavior is across website mobile apps how many times do they check their smartphone email uh multiple things right so the artificial intelligence or ai at the back end is only as good as the human creator right so it's not going to be compromising the jobs of a marketer at all um to i mean if i just had to give you a few instances or use cases of what ai is being able to do in today's environment you know if you go to an e-commerce platform like an amazon or a flipkart all these product recommendations that you see across mm-hmm. the home screen when you add an item to your cart amazon will tell you those who bought item x also bought item y those are cross sell product recommendations that you're getting uh, think of every time you launch netflix you mm-hmm. see a completely different uh, home screen you know the right. content title recommendations are different spotify does it everyone's doing it so it's based on predictive technology it's based right. on understanding what you as an individual customer is doing and it's predicting what you might do next right right but at the end of the day uh, we have now entered an era of something that we call explainable ai 
where artificial intelligence and human intelligence has to work hand in hand. The AI will do most of the data analytics, the heavyweight lifting, if I had to call it that. And it's going to show you insights. It's going to do some predictive modeling. But the final decision making, a lot of cases, has to be made by the marketer themselves. Right. You know, so an AI at the back end will analyze customer data and say that, hey, you know what? This is a customer segment that is most likely to uninstall your app in the next 30 days. The right. AI will give you suggestions on what sort of campaigns that you can run on what channels to stop these customers from uninstalling the app. But eventually the marketer has to make that decision, right? The marketer will have to come up on the with the copy. I mean, you and I have both received emails like, hey, we miss you. It's been a while since uh -huh. we last seen you. You know, things like that. Right. So those are recommendations. AI has analyzed, understood that this is a customer segment most at risk. But right. the marketer has to then take the decision, right? So to be fair, um, it has to work hand in hand um, also because AI cannot always accurately understand human emotions or context. Think about the last time you interacted with an AI-based chatbot on Facebook Messenger or any of these apps. Right. Uh, and not be able to understand the urgency of the situation. They mm -hmm. work off keywords that they're logging or natural language uh, processing that they are... Um, they are built that's built into their algorithm right. they are not intuitive enough to understand human emotion context and relevance to uh, some extent right. so as i said you know ai and human intelligence they've got to work hand in hand uh, it's going to reduce and simplify the lives of marketers it's not going to replace marketers that, that makes sense and it's very reassuring for myself as well and, and I hope it is for our viewers. So essentially, uh, you're saying that AI is is a modern tool to empower marketers to do a better job. Absolutely. Absolutely. That makes sense. Uh, so the marketers listening to this uh, feel relieved and make sure that you, uh, I mean, if, if you're scared of AI, then I think the best thing we could possibly do is uh, invest more time, energy and money to really understand how AI softwares work. Uh, a lot of these uh, developers of AI tools also hand out courses uh, for free and paid versions as well, where you can understand how an AI tool can actually affect your business. So I think it makes sense that now is a good time as any right. to really learn how those things work. Okay, cool. So uh, having covered that bit, uh, now uh, one thing sure. that I really wanted to do on this call was also to uh, keep it exciting, kind of play a sure. game with you. So uh, this game that I want to play is called Aapki Khatir. Okay. Aapki, haan, so Aapki Khatir mein kya hoga ki, uh, some brands will come to you. Okay. Right. And, uh, okay. and these are brands that us 90s kids, like I'm assuming that most of the listeners of the call would be 90s kids. Uh, uh, so if 90s kids would have heard of this brand, uh, they would really relate to them. So uh, now the game here is that these uh, honestly these... even if even if even if they're not from the 90s they might be tempted to go and check out these brands i think this this should be this should be because uh these brands actually i mean most of these brands that i will be mentioning now uh incidentally make up for our uh for the legacy of uh the industries in india as well uh so yeah so without further ado see the game is very simple a brand comes sure. to you and says Okay. India We want to relaunch ourselves in India. 
with the theme of cricket you know okay. uh, by by sponsoring a cricket team don't ask us how we certainly have a lot of money to sponsor the indian cricket team but we want to if byju's can we can love you byju's okay <laughs> okay cheer yeah. so so welcome to aapki khatir the game here is very simple that uh, okay. i'll introduce some 90s brands to you uh within within 10 seconds you have to answer uh with a brand campaign for them now what these brands okay. are trying to do is that they're trying to get back into the cricketing culture they want to sponsor the indian cricket team kaise karenge aur kaise paise aaye we won't get into that okay, okay. Uh, the reason i'm giving this disclaimer is because a few of these brands have had a bad history so uh-huh. we're not going to worry about that right so okay. i'm just going to keep throwing brands at you the max okay. you have is 10 seconds i have my uh, i have my stoppers here sponsored by iphone so okay. we're going <laughs> to use that sponsored by apple ha uh, but okay. uh, cool so so we have this ready and uh, okay. uh, here goes brand number 1 uh, the first brand is britannia biscuits britannia biscuits britannia biscuits uh, i think i had come up with something like her bite my crunch a cricket se kaise relate hua crunch bro crunch crunching covered rife acha okay theek hai is iske number nahi milenge this is not a good attempt yaar sabhi okay we will we'll come up with another one okay here's a brand that has been that has been associated with cricket in the past Uh, here's okay. uh, Sahara India Parivar. Hmm. Campaign for Sahara India Parivar. Nayi Bharat, Naya Sahara. Also because uh, their original tagline was uh, Bharat hai Amara, hum hai Sahara. So you got to play off the nostalgia. Nayi Bharat, Naya Sahara. Uh, I'm also keeping it slightly realistic. Ha ha. Obviously, obviously, we can't because. Otherwise, I could have come up. I mean, honestly, if I could have come up with this bar no scam, not this bar no scam, neither in cricket nor in the business. So that would have been very historically accurate. But yeah, okay, uh, good, good work here. Okay, the next one is now. I don't know if you remember it, but this is Gold Spot cold drinks. Yeah, I know it was one of the brands that uh, Coca Cola bought when they entered India. Right. So Gold Spot cold drinks campaign Gold idea. Spot. Gold spot, uh, the taste of nostalgia back on the field. Oh, back on the field, nice. nice. Yeah, connecting the field to this. Okay, let's keep the spirit going. Uh, another okay. drink brand, uh, jumping. Okay. Godrej ka ek brand aata tha jumping. Jumping ke soft drinks aur. Jumping juice. Jumping juice. Okay. Jumping. Jumping. Uh, Juice or fun का ultimate match. Oh, match ठीक है ठीक है. Good spirit going here. ठीक है. Another one which is kind of lost. आजकल भी मिलता है वो बड़ा खराब सा मिलता है. मतलब बहुत कम quantity में मिलता है. This is Sibaka toothpaste. Sibaka toothpaste. Sibaka toothpaste. आपका आपका oral care all rounder. Oh. Oral care all round. भाई मतलब flow में आ गया. आपने लगा flow में आ गया एकदम. I've got a couple more. I've got a couple more. हाँ. Yeah. So, Sibaka uh, का I think original messaging was on strong teeth and fresh breath. 
right so maybe if they want to you know draw on that past messaging they could come up with something like never run out of fresh breath or strong teeth for your team but i think it still doesn't beat aapka oral care all rounder full stop not out ha oral care was not out theek hai okay chaliye apply this okay now apply this to big bubble oh bubble gum nahi aati thi big big oh. bubble yeah 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 big bubble uh kabhi wicket kabhi gum ठीक है ठीक है गुड वन और तो आई एम नॉट श्योर हाउ प्रैक्टिकेबल दिस विल बी कभी भी कट करेगा आई मीन ऑनेस्टली ऑनेस्टली स्पीकिंग यू आर गिविंग मी 10 सेकंड द गाइस हु कम अप विद कैंपेन्स विल हैव एट लीस्ट 10 वीक्स अ लिटिल मोर देन दिस श्योर ठीक है नाउ दिस वन इज अ लिटिल ट्रिकी बिकॉज़ ऑफ द द सोशल इंपैक्ट ऑफ दिस एज़ वेल बट दिस इज आईटीसी का एक ब्रांड था विल्स हां हां That the cigarette brand, Wills. If Wills wants to make a comeback, what would it say? Uh, smoke it out of the park. Okay, okay, that is a good one. Okay, I. It's not a audience-friendly message, but I'm going to this one. Yeah, I mean, uh, in all fairness, neither Pradeep nor I we do not endorse smoking in any way. If you are listening to this, uh, just doing this as a fun activity, and uh, we're glad that. A, a cigarette brand is not the sponsor of any cricket team now, as they were back in the day. Uh, <clears throat> okay, having said that, uh, the final bit that I have for you is uh, is a scooter brand called Kenstar Scooters. Kenstar made scooters. Ha ha. Kenstar Scooters. When when mileage trumps speed. so it build the campaign around talking about how even in the era of t20 you still have to be reliable you still have to be consistent and stuff like that ha huh. so that will be when mileage will speed theek hai but i mean in all of this meko wo bada acha laga sibagar ka bada acha laga ha thanks you get all rounder i mean as a as a real campaign like i could actually see that as a real campaign but uh, smoke it out of the park to next level tha really like that <laughs> right awesome man so actually uh, that brings me to the end of the of the the podcast recording thank you so much pradeep for answering all of my questions i realized that a few of them actually put you on the spot uh, but thanks for being such a sport about it so uh, that actually brings me to the main call to action of the entire podcast uh, now if you listen yeah, if you listening to this viewers uh, if you have i i assume that you have listened to the trailer as well uh, the main reason why this podcast exists is to act as a fundraising platform uh, now we've been supported by milap to gen- to create uh, to to host funds for uh, the current covid crisis uh, along with them and oxygen foundation we are actually trying to raise as much money as possible to buy oxygen concentrators in india the reason that we are Uh, that we've tied up with with a fundraising platform like Milap is that uh, we never really con- wanted to get into the business of of keeping money with ourselves, uh, rather just be a voice to all these people. Now, uh, since we have a celebrity guest with us, Pradeep Thande, if you could give a shout out uh, to the listeners to to <laughs> to to, uh, to to donate to the cause, the links will be made available in the bio and and everywhere but possible, but. Uh, a shout out from you as well would be really good here. Yeah, of course. Uh, so I think it's a fantastic initiative that uh, Meer is driving here along with the good folks at Milap. 
and uh, you know while the um, purpose of this podcast is obviously to learn engage and have great conversations but let's not lose track about the fact that we are also trying to and me in particular is trying to drive change and uh, doing it through this fantastic campaign so i urge each one of you who is listening to um, spend a little time uh, learn more about the campaign and uh, if you find it within yourselves to definitely donate because it's the need of the hour and um, you know while your takeaway here is lessons and learnings uh, you know mihir and his team's takeaway here would be actually driving on ground change so i request each one of you to take this seriously and uh, find it within yourselves to uh, donate as well thank you so much pratyut uh, so guys this was it this was our first episode on marketing uh, we have episodes on fitness on financial literacy on business ethics a lot of really interesting concepts coming along the way so do keep listening to us to subscribe share and uh and donate uh, i hope you like this as well uh we are available on uh every major social media platform we are available on every major podcasting platform we are also available on youtube as you can probably see uh so thank you so much for being a part of this and thank you pradyut this been this has been a real real good deal thanks really appreciate you being here hey it's been a pleasure man thank you so much for, thanks All so much right. for having me right thanks for your sign up circle k is america's thirst stop and dave's especially when dave needs refreshments for family movie night so dave heads straight to circle k where he grabs icy polar pop cups and frosters for the kids and chilled beer for the grown-ups Enjoy family movie night, Dave. We'll be here for you all summer long. And right now at Circle K, score with 28-ounce Gatorade. Any flavor, 3 for $5. So make us your first stop. Circle K, America's thirst stop. Hey, let's hear that new Turkey Hill jingle. 79 cents is all you pay for Turkey Hill sodas every day. And you forgot applicable tax. For a limited time, get a small, medium, or large fountain soda for just 79 cents at Turkey Hill. Excludes extra large and all frozen drinks. Plus applicable tax. Ah.